Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan, and Spartacus is here. Although you might notice on your screen, he looks a little contemplative, maybe even a little sad. That's because we've got good news and bad news that goes with that announcement. Now, if you don't know what in the heck I'm talking about, I can't really blame you. As it turns out, as was released, rumored by Bloomberg earlier this year, PlayStation's Game Pass Counterpunch subscription service was within the company internally called Spartacus. So that's why you see references to the famed and classic movie there, and we will continue to make those references throughout this video. But all we really knew about it was that Sony planned to charge a monthly fee for access to a library of games, much like Xbox Game Pass service. And what would that look like? Well, today we found out as Sony tries to enter the recurring revenue subscription game library market in a way that maybe isn't going to make you or I very happy. I'll leave that judgment to you, of course, but certainly we are going to discuss what I see as potential problems with this service on the whole. Now, they put up a blog post today. All new PlayStation Plus launches in June with 700 plus games and more value than ever. This blog post was made by Jim Ryan, president and CEO, Sony Interactive Entertainment, who starts off by saying, since launching PlayStation Plus in 2010, SIE has been at the forefront of innovation with game subscription services. We were thrilled to be the first console membership service that included a refreshed library of games through PlayStation Plus and also launched the first console game streaming service with PlayStation Now. Now look, this is a corporate blog run by Sony. This is the president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment. We can allow them a bit of puffery, a bit of advertising language. But I don't think sitting here in 2022, anybody really thinks that Sony is at the forefront of game subscription services. PlayStation Now is a streaming service. I don't know that that gets a lot of thought from a lot of people. You're going to be thinking about it now as we talk about what they're actually offering with Spartacus here. But in terms of the library, it was really Microsoft that cracked that particular nut and has 25 million subscribers, at least as they report, subscribing to that service and getting basically everything that Xbox game publishing has to offer. So that's the, the current setup for what we're looking at in the marketplace. And Sony is trying to lead from behind on this. Now, it's worth noting, Sony, still very, very popular, still has some of the most popular first-party studio output in gaming. They're the top at revenue. They do all the things that we know Sony and PlayStation to do, but they aren't necessarily comfortable with this kind of service. We'll see that in a couple of places throughout this video. Today, we are pleased to share with you official news about changes coming to our subscription services. This June, we're bringing together PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now in an all-new PlayStation Plus subscription service that provides more choice to customers across three membership tiers globally. So already, they are complicating what Xbox puts out there, right? Buy Game Pass, you're done. Now, they do have an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate for PC access, but for the most part, buy Game Pass, you are set. Sony, they love to be technocrats on this kind of stuff. They love to mess with business models and economics. They're gonna complicate this in a couple of different ways, some of which are good, some of which are bad. We're gonna talk about them all. Our focus is on providing high quality curated content with a diverse portfolio of games. So exactly what Bloomberg suggests, exactly what Game Pass does. They are entering this market and want to compete within it. Here are the tiers, and I apologize for the naming conventions. I didn't make these. This is Sony at pure Sony awesomeness. PlayStation Plus Essential. 
So already a couple of words there, a couple of adjectives describing PlayStation. PlayStation Plus essentially is effectively the same benefits you currently get at the same current price. So for the most part, this is what you get if you just want multiplayer access. Yes, they give you two downloadable games, some of which are good, many of which are bad. They have a discount component in the store. They do still attach cloud storage for saved games to this service, which I still find to be a little bit not great from the PlayStation side of things. Cloud storage for saved games should be something that comes with the system itself, but here we are. And that price is that $10 monthly and that $60 yearly. Now we've seen Xbox Live Gold. We've seen Sony have these kinds of monthly yearly splits. What will be interesting here is that unlike Xbox Game Pass, Sony's PlayStation Plus tiers here are going to continue to offer these discounts for quarterly and yearly commitments. Now from the financial perspective, That makes a lot of sense. Sony wants to secure exactly what the revenue stream from this service is going to look like. So they offer discounts for getting you in there longer. That being applied to the Game Pass Spartacus kind of concept, however, is where I think Sony wants to make some of its hay. Competing on price rather than competing on substance and quality. So if we go to the next tier, PlayStation Plus Extra, and I apologize, right? Essential, then Extra. This is going to be really hard for people to kind of grok for at least the early days of this service. This provides all the benefits from the Essential tier, so everything you would expect from PlayStation Plus, and adds a catalog of up to 400 of the most enjoyable PS4 and PS5 games, including blockbuster hits. Games in this tier are downloadable for play. Now, there's a couple of things happening here that already should be raising, not yellow flags, maybe a slightly raised yellow flag, somewhere between green and yellow. First, you see PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 are referenced, not 3, not 2, not 1. You also get a sentence here that says they are downloadable for play, which is an odd thing to say because that would be the assumption. You download the game, you play it on your system. But we will see that they need to differentiate what is in their next tier from this tier, and I believe this is where they feel like people are going to land. Much like economically offering these discounts for yearly subscriptions, they also appear to have set up these tiers so that you are more naturally inclined to land here at this middle tier, which does dovetail with Game Pass, right? $15 monthly, rather than what isn't a terribly compelling final super tier. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But it is noteworthy that they've crafted these three tiers to essentially have a low end and a high end and to make this, the middle tier, the most attractive. Why wouldn't you pay a little bit extra for 400 games? It's just value on top of value, right? So they do all these economics type things to try to get you realistically into this $100 yearly tier, right? Because $15 a month is significantly more than $100 a year. So they want to incentivize you to really commit to providing them revenue. And that, to be honest, is a significant advantage over Xbox Game Pass. Now, it's an advantage that Game Pass could kill in about two seconds by changing their model to allow for discounts, but they may or may not decide to actually do that given the success that they've already had. Certainly, both companies are going to be looking at their analytics very closely now that there will be at least two significant members in this market, which leads us to PlayStation Plus Premium. So we got Essential, we got Extra, we got Premium. I hate premium and extra, I gotta be honest, because in my head, those adjectives effectively mean very similar things. I couldn't be told if you didn't know which was better, premium or extra, that wouldn't work in my head, right? If I didn't know, looking at this, exactly what that looked like, then I wouldn't know. And if we go further down, we're not gonna cover this one at length, but there's a PlayStation Plus Deluxe. So there's Deluxe, Premium, Extra, and Essential. I'm pretty sure I know Essential is the lowest one, but then you get into Extra, Premium, and Deluxe, 
and I have no idea what's going on. Now, fortunately, premium and deluxe aren't actually going to be available in the same markets. Deluxe is kind of the substitute for premium, but I got to say, I don't love any of these naming conventions. But then again, Sony pretty much tries to be as boring as possible with these things. And apparently, this is what they came up with. I think at this point, I'd prefer tier one, tier two, and tier three because that's more obvious. But here we are. So PlayStation Plus Premium gets you everything from extra. So you got that library. You got that thing that mirrors Game Pass, but it's only for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 games. This adds up to 340 additional games, including PS3 games available via cloud streaming. So effectively, this is PlayStation Now. This is the Now tier. And a catalog of beloved classic games available in both streaming and download options from the original PlayStation, PlayStation 2, and PSP generations. Now, what's odd about this is that this bullet is going to include downloadable games from the earlier consoles. That, to me, fits better in this tier, the extra tier, but they have split off what we will see Jim Ryan refer to as their retro content in order to extract more funds from the retro game players uh, that love Sony PlayStation and their history. Now, this is limited to where PlayStation Now is currently available because cloud streaming is a necessity for actually having this tier. And the last thing that's added here is that they will have time-limited game trials so customers can try select games before they buy. Now, that'll be interesting to see how far it's implemented. It would appear to apply to their own games, one would think, but whether third-party publishers will get on board with that, what length of time you have with the game trials, that all matters because these games are so big now that actually downloading them, using your data cap, going through all of this is going to be as resource-intensive as actually buying a game. So you're going to want to know exactly what that looks like going forward. Now, this is $18 a month and $120 yearly. And I, yes, I know through this video, I'm using the United States. It is worth noting that they didn't just copy these numbers down to other jurisdictions. So you'll have to look if you're in Europe or the United Kingdom or Japan or somewhere else as to whether it's a fair kind of compromise for the pricing here. But they didn't just copy these numbers as so many publishers and companies do. So, so that's probably a, a good thing as well. But the crux of all this is that at this kind of Game Pass level, you aren't getting retro games. You aren't getting anything prior to the PlayStation 4 generation. And even if you buy the premium service, you're not getting PlayStation 3 games on anything except cloud streaming. Now, I don't know how all of you feel about the cloud streaming options. I think some of them are pretty cool and they can work for things that don't involve Twitch shooting or something like that, but they always have just a little bit of lag in my experience. Maybe you've had a better experience Leave your comments below as to whether you think this PlayStation Now is a good workaround for what appears to be Sony giving up on emulation, right? One of the coolest things about the Xbox generation, the last two generations, is that Xbox found itself in a poor space. And so they put all this money and all these resources into emulating their old games, including improving them. And this certainly doesn't appear to be the case from Sony. They are willing to put the past behind them and charge extra for people that aren't quite as willing as they are as a company. Now, you do get the discount here annually, $120, $18. But the last thing here is you might be looking at PlayStation Plus Extra and saying, well, Rick, maybe you're being a little bit too hard on it. That's cheaper than Game Pass. You're going to get these blockbuster hits from PlayStation. What's the big deal? And that's really reading between the lines what isn't there. The new extra and premium tiers represent a major evolution for PlayStation Plus, says Jim Ryan. With these tiers, our key focus is to ensure that the hundreds of games we offer will include the best quality content that sets us apart. At launch, we plan to include 
Titles such as Death Stranding, God of War, Marvel Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, Mortal Kombat 11, and Returnal. We're working closely with our imaginative developers from PlayStation Studios and third-party partners to include some of the best gaming experiences available with a library that will be regularly refreshed. Now, there's a lot to unpack in that paragraph. I would be willing to bet that you see the biggest item there, which is that none of those games are new. Death Stranding, God of War, a bunch of 2018 games, Marvel Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Mortal Kombat 11, and then apparently the closest in time to us, Returnal, which by the time June rolls around will be a month, uh, a year and a couple of months old. So it's clear that Sony isn't willing to put day and date, day one games into their service, which is a large separator from what Microsoft and their soon to be 34 developers are planning to do with their service. That's the differentiator. PlayStation, Spartacus, PlayStation Plus, whatever additional adjective you want to add to it is not going to counter Microsoft's biggest punch, which is if you want a Microsoft game, including what will soon be Activision Blizzard, if that deal goes through, Bethesda, Zenimax, everything else, then you are going to have to buy it separately, right? Microsoft sells you those in Game Pass. PlayStation is going to sell you those for the $70 price point that they are trying to establish. And good luck to you. So Spartacus comes across to me as a bit of a shadow imitation, a bit of a hollow kind of follow from behind counter to show that, hey, we've got a checkbox as well if you're interested in recurring revenue subscription services, but never quite as good as what the main competitor is offering, which is fine. They want a different business model, but I never like to see a company come this far and then essentially lead me down right? This isn't the kind of thing that I wanted from this service. I think they should have explored other models. If they've really got a problem with making money through their own AAA games, you could have some kind of benefit, right? You could have a model that was, all right, we're going to charge you $25 monthly for those day and dates, or you're going to have to commit for a year at some higher price point so that we can at least A-B test this thing. We can figure out whether we can still survive as a company, because the thing that is happening right now, and I understand Sony's put in dire straits because of this stuff, is that Microsoft is effectively finally using its war chest and squeezing them financially. It's difficult to see exactly how Xbox is going to ultimately make money, make its $70 billion back. But Microsoft can eat losses, can eat cash flow problems for a long period of time because of their size. And they're squeezing Sony on this and this apparently is how far Sony thinks that they can go. Unfortunately, it's not my job to balance the finances of Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo or anybody else. So I look at this offering and say, well, as a hardcore gamer, as is so often used as a term, I own Death Stranding, I own God of War, I own Spider-Man, I own Miles Morales, I own Mortal Kombat 11, and I own Returnal, which means not terribly compelling to start out with. And certainly it's the kind of thing that I personally can wait on. I can say, all right, well, show me what you've got because I can wait on this. I already own everything and we'll see how this looks. Certainly, we'll see how it looks in June. It's interesting that they say we plan to include these titles. I don't know why it's a we plan kind of caveat here. We'll see another caveat here at the end. But at the end of the day, it's not compelling to me to start so I can wait it out and see exactly what happens. It wouldn't surprise me if at least from the more gaming enthusiast crowd, that those folks wait as well on a service offering like this one. Now, it could be that Sony is essentially 
aiming directly at casual audiences, audiences that wouldn't have bought this, audiences that want to buy a service like this when they initially get their PlayStation 5 or other entry into the PlayStation ecosystem. And unlike Game Pass, which clearly has that hardcore element and attractiveness because all the day and date games are coming out on that service, this one is aimed at something else. That said, it's not aimed at me. And so I share with you that I find the offering disappointing. In the June timeframe, we'll begin with an initial launch in several markets in Asia, followed by North America, Europe, and the rest of the world. Where PlayStation Plus is offered, we aim to have most PlayStation Network territories live with this game subscription service by the end of the first half of 2022. This is just a weird paragraph because in the June timeframe is already the end of the first half of 2022. So it's unclear exactly how fast they think they can do this, but it's implied that they think that they can roll these out even though they're separated in this sentence very, very fast because they're giving themselves effectively just a month to do it. We're providing an early look at our new PlayStation Plus subscription service today, and we'll plan to share more information with you as we get closer to launch. And I just find this, we will plan to share more information with you interesting because the real message here is we do plan to share more information. So that will is a little bit extraneous, but again, I'm a pedant. I look at language very, very closely. So that's the announcement. The elephant in the room is still the Xbox Game Pass for $15 a month, gives you the Game Studios titles the same day as release. And in case you think that's an oversight from Sony, Jim Ryan actually gave an inter interview to Games Industry Biz contemporaneous to this blog post, uh, disabusing you of the notions that Sony might be looking at something else. Or as Chris String here says, whenever a new platform or service gets announced, the focus is inevitably on what's missing rather than what's there. What their service doesn't include, unlike its main competitor, are new first-party games that launch in the service at the same time as they come out at retail. And Jim Ryan explains, We feel like we are in a good, virtuous cycle with the studios, where the investment delivers success, which enables you yet more investment, which delivers yet more success. We like that cycle, and we think our gamers like that cycle. It's an old cycle. It's the business model, realistically, for video games up until this generation or part of the last one. Now, I hate the term virtuous cycle. It's a very business school here. It is the opposite of the vicious cycle with which you might be more familiar saying, hey, this is all working. Why change it? And the answer is because the industry is changing around you. The walls are falling down and everything is different than it was before. He continues, in terms of putting our own games into this service or any of our services upon their release, as you well know, this is not a road that we've gone down in the past, and it's not a road that we're going to go down with this new service. Now, that sounds pretty definitive. I've highlighted it in red. It's important. He's actually going to backtrack on this in this very interview in just a minute. We feel if we were to do that with the games that we make at PlayStation Studios, the virtuous cycle would be broken. The level of investment that we need to make in our studios would not be possible, and we think the knock-on effect on the quality of the games that we make would not be something that gamers want implying that Microsoft has more financial backing, can effectively take losses on their investment, and they are not as convinced as some in the game industry that the Game Pass model can actually succeed on its own merits. We'll see long-term who's right. I tend to think Microsoft's got a good thing going and that Sony is playing it a little too conservatively with what they are willing to do, but the overall notion is we put all this money into a game if we just give it to you on a subscription service, we can't make that money back. We're gonna have to cut corners effectively. As Chris String at Games Industry Biz says, Ryan's view on this isn't unique to Sony. Most AAA publishers are reluctant to put their most recent games into subscription services. Now, I want to stop right there because a games publisher and Sony slash Microsoft slash Nintendo do not have the same interests here. 
A AAA games publisher is, of course, going to be the most reluctant. They're putting in the investment, and if they put this in the service, they have to get the contract terms exactly right. Sony or Microsoft or another hardware manufacturer that's selling the service itself makes money on the service subscriptions in a way that the publishers don't necessarily share in. So that sentence is fine. AAA publishers are reluctant, are reticent in various ways to these kinds of things, and they're experimenting with it on their own. But that's not quite the same as Sony, who should be building up a subscription base. The counter argument is that by putting your latest titles into PS Plus or Xbox Game Pass, you're potentially widening your audience overnight. Your new release could have tens of millions of players. And if your game has other forms of monetization in it, then the revenue potential is significant. And, and that's kind of the fear version of the good counter argument for a subscription service, right? Especially if you're watching or listening to virtual legality. Oh my God, they're going to monetize everything, microtransactions, battle passes, etc. And I do think that is a warranted concern for these subscription services. That said, again, Sony doesn't necessarily need to monetize its stuff. If it gets that many more subscribers into its service and they set the numbers right, they could make that investment back. They are just concerned that the market won't support effectively the price or subscription base that it would need to in order to make spending money on making a God of War or whatever else is next in PlayStation's particular portfolio actually make them some kind of return on their investment. But again, Sony's making money directly from the subscriptions in a way that the publishers aren't. They don't necessarily have to just monetize their games. And also, if you're familiar with Gran Turismo 7 and everything we have seen, Sony reference with respect to live services, they're going to monetize them anyway. Sony's going down a path that many gamers are reluctant to follow them down already, and they've signaled it a hundred times. They will signal it even more in this interview. As Chris String continues, even if your game doesn't have microtransactions, Xbox believes that subscriptions combined with streaming is the key to finding new console players. And of course, they make money directly from that. Ryan's perspective is a pragmatic one, and PlayStation's current position on this is entirely subject to change. Despite him actually saying, this isn't a road we're going to go down, which is a future forward-looking statement, he says, well... The way the world is changing so very quickly at the moment, nothing is forever. He says, who could imagine we'd put things on PC? So I don't want to cast anything in stone at this stage. All I'm talking to today is the approach we're taking in the short term. And again, this is a recurring subscription model that they want you to invest in yourself for years. And now they're saying in this interview, okay, well, that might sound bad. And we're not committing to anything. We're talking about the short term. Okay, fair enough, Sony. At a basic level, they describe exactly what's happening here. It is bringing together PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now subscription services, which together total 50 million subscribers. Yes, together, PlayStation Plus multiplayer and PlayStation Now streaming together total 50 million subscribers. I'm sure this is information that was given to him by Sony and PlayStation. This kind of combination, not super helpful because the vast, vast, vast bulk of these subscribers is very likely to be PlayStation Plus and not PlayStation Now. The next piece of data we get is similarly opaque. 75% of PlayStation Now subscribers also subscribe to PS Plus. That makes sense. If you're actually putting these in a tier, PlayStation Plus is kind of the, the baseline foundational tier you might spend extra money on. PlayStation Now is in addition to that. So it makes sense that three quarters of PlayStation Now subscribers also subscribe to Plus. So he says that means it makes sense to unite the two services together. And for those 75%, they'll find their overall costs going down. But we don't actually have numbers here because the 75% of PlayStation Now subscribers is three quarters of whatever portion of 50 million is PlayStation Now. 
and that's unlikely to be very high in comparison to what the PlayStation Plus number is. Again, this is semantics, but this is the kind of thing that corporations put out there. This is the kind of thing that gets reported where if you look at all these numbers, you say, well, that doesn't actually mean a whole ton because I don't have a number here to indicate what is the baseline foundational level of PlayStation Now subscribers. Continuing with the interview, he says it's a fact, for our services at least, that the great majority of people subscribe through a 12-month subscription. It's more than two-thirds who subscribe that way. What we are delivering is that for a 12-month subscriber, and that is the great majority of people, the monthly subscription rate for PlayStation Plus Extra, remember, that's what I consider the main tier, the Game Pass alternative with PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 games, will be $8.33. And for PlayStation Plus Premium, it will be $9.99. That's the one with all the streaming and the retro proposition. We think for what people are going to get, this is a terrific value proposition, one that simply wouldn't be possible if we were to put our studio's games into the service upon their release, which is fine. But you didn't have to charge only about half on an annual subscription of what Game Pass charges. What do you think this number would look like if I were to get those games day and date, because I might actually consider it. I want you to be in business, PlayStation. I want you to make money. I love PlayStation games. What does this look like to actually be competitive with the service offering of Game Pass? What what do you think this number would be? And then we could evaluate it. They aren't offering that. They aren't willing to even explore that road because they're worried it will destroy their virtuous cycle. I think that's backwards thinking. I think that that's not great leadership, but... Hey, Sony is going to be the ones that make these decisions. And I think Sony will eventually be reversing course on things like that. Sony may not be putting its latest releases in, but there's still some popular PS5 titles and extra and premium, including Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and Returnal. But outside of its first party game, Sony says every major publisher is present on the service and conversations continue to go well. Obviously, it's not for everybody, says Ryan, but there are people like me who have been around forever who've played those games, retro games, and loved those games 20-odd years ago. He's espousing the virtues of potentially the premium tier for you all and describing his service as rounding off the offer that we have. Clearly, within our existing audience base, we have the opportunity to attract PlayStation owners who are not PlayStation Plus subscribers at present. Again, you see here the focus on... Sony trying to aim this at folks that otherwise aren't PlayStation fans as of yet, which is fine. But it does mean demographically that this isn't as interesting or as exciting to, frankly, folks that are watching virtual legality. If you're here with me, you're probably more invested in the games industry than some other people are. And Sony, instead of exactly copying what Game Pass is doing, is trying to go in a different direction with something that looks a lot like Game Pass, but realistically isn't. So what do you think of all this? Leave a comment to this video. Otherwise, contact me on social media. What do you think of the naming conventions? Essential, extra, premium, deluxe. What do you think of the pricing? What do you think of their trying to drive you into an annual subscription of only having the main tier limited to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 games, not offering you any of the retro, even downloadable options, unless you pony up the big bucks? What do you think of all this? Or do you think a little bit more like me, which suggests that the Project Spartacus name wasn't just because it was a cool old movie, but in fact, because the most famous scene in that movie were imitations of imitations of imitations. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy conversations like this one about the video game industry, pop culture, tech, software, and more, please consider supporting the channel. We cannot do it without support from viewers and subscribers like you. Otherwise, just subscribing, telling your friends, upvoting, downvoting, telling folks that we're having these conversations, sharing them online on Reddit and forums, wherever you find yourself, 
every little bit helps. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.